It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience. And without robbing you of the joy, of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. You are locked on Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello, and uh, welcome to episode 506 of Locked on Raptors for whatever the hell day it is. Sunday, May 5th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can probably hear in my voice, I've been screaming for like two straight hours. So this is going to be a bit of a frayed podcast, but uh, you know what we're here to do? I, I'll, I guess the intro stuff, Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Himalaya, all that stuff. Thank you. Uh, now that that's out of the way, holy fucking shit, <laughs> the Raptors <laughs> just beat the Philadelphia 76ers 101-96 in Game 4 to tie the series at 2, coming back to Toronto. Uh, and joining me, that precious laugh you heard there in response to my uh, in co- uncoordinated thoughts is uh, Josh Howe. Josh, how, how's it going, buddy? Greatest shot in Raptors franchise history. That's Kawhi like, Leonard. yeah, I don't even think it's really debatable, considering the stakes. They lose this game, they go down 3-1, um, and it would have been real tough to come back. Uh, the like, Just the closeness and like disgustingness of the fourth quarter for something as beautiful as that to emerge from it is kind of a miracle. <sighs> yeah, 
Yeah, so, it was the it was the diamond in the coal. The coal was like a billion turnovers, and yeah, and there was a little Kawhi shot right in the middle. Yeah. Uh, so I don't even know how to begin talking about this game. If people listened last year, after the Raptors beat the Wizards in Game Six to close them out. Uh, they know that sometimes we have podcasts where we just hop on a mic and don't really have a plan and just kind of say stuff, uh, sometimes with alcohol. Uh, actually, right now, I'm, I'm going to open my beer because, oh boy, these nerves need to be cooled down. I'm drinking a dragon stout because, why not, Kawhi's a fucking dragon. And, uh, Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, this is probably going to be quite meandering, and we'll just talk about the game and what we're feeling right now. Josh, what are you feeling right now, buddy? Uh, I'm feeling everything. Like I, I think I'm, I'm feeling things that I didn't know that I had. Like there are parts of my body that are tingling that I don't think they should be. But wow, like I've never had anyone make me feel that way before. Like congrats, Kawhi. Like I, I'm so rattled. I don't even know what to say. Yeah, I'm like shaking right now. <laughs> uh, we're recording this like literally a couple minutes after the end of the game. There was at least a bit of a cool down time because of the free throwness at the end. It was kind of back and forth. For a while there, um, yeah, but yeah. Just, uh, I guess we should recap the game. <laughs> I, I don't even really remember what happened before or after the shot. The shot is the only thing that's in my mind right now. Um, actually, let's start with that. Let's start with the shot. It is the leading story. Kawhi hits the three. Um, they ran the same play pretty much the entire fourth quarter with Ben Simmons guarding Kawhi. They had Marcus Gasol screen for him, and then they try to get the switch out of Joel Embiid to varying results. Sometimes, you know, Leonard would get to the rim. Sometimes a phantom offensive foul would be called against Marc Gasol. You know the deal. Um, but on this specific occasion, Kawhi Leonard steps back with how much time on the clock here? What's what's the time on the clock? Do, do we even have, like, a read on it? I lost the page again. <laughs> uh, I, don't even, I don't even remember. Yeah, it's, that's, it's that's all... That's crazy. That's, like, that's how much this shot, like, yeah. it just totally erased everything from my mind. Like, I, I just remember him going up and holding his... Because he basically had to, like, you know, he had heave it a little bit. Yeah. And that's all I remember is, like, that that image is carved into my brain. Like, it's 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 just part of me now, yeah. that image. Eventually, I'll figure out what the hell the time was on the clock. <laughs> <laughs> it was late in the game. Yeah, there was, like, a minute left-ish. Um, yeah. And... So they, they hits hits the three that it puts the wraps up ninety four ninety and then it kind of becomes free throwy from there and uh, it was I think you're totally right it's the biggest shot in franchise history like what would even be a contender for second biggest right now I I, I don't even know but I mean I have somebody in my mentions that suggested Mo Pete versus the Wizards in the regular season that's what I'm saying I mean like. This is the kind of bar we're dealing with here, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, there just haven't been too many big Raptors shots in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if maybe if, uh, I, like, I immediately thought about Lowry's three-quarter court heave series, but they lost that game in overtime. Yeah. That was the one I thought of, too. So, there's, there's, like, Corey Joseph's three late against the Bucks, yeah. and also DeMar's dunk late against the Bucks in Game mm-hmm. 6 when they were almost pissing that lead away. Um, but that's the thing is like a lot of their wins, a lot of their like standout wins have been blowout wins, right? Like yeah. game six against the Sixers back in the day, they blew them out. Um, they beat the Bucks. Like they, I mean, yeah. So again, you get, you get the Bucks game where there's, where there wasn't a blowout, but then like they blew out the heat, they blew out the Pacers and the bigger shots kind of came really, I guess Norm's dunk would fall in this category too. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, 
Yeah. yeah. Alvin so Williams. Alvin Williams moving them on to the second round, I guess, uh, back in 0-1-2. Sure. Um, yeah, but uh, oh boy, <laughs> I'm just uh, I'm spinning no, no right one's, now. No one's touching this shot. Like no, it's fucking I, crazy. Especially when you consider like all the stuff that goes along with it. Like it's not just the shot to keep them in the series. Like mm-hmm. the Raptors go down three one, and suddenly all the talk is about Leonard leaving and the direction that the franchise is going to go and is Nurse the right guy to have around and all of that stuff just comes to a head. It was already building after the last game, mm-hmm. uh, at least in the fan base anyway. And it's kind of all erased now, at least for a little bit. It was totally erased by that one shot, which is insane. Yeah, I mean, I figure the sort of numbers on like the projection for the series probably swing enormously on this, right? Because the Raptors now are even and go back home and have two of the final three at home. Um, and I, I thought Nick Nurse did some good things in this game. I thought he did some questionable yeah. things as well. But for the most part, I thought it was really good what he did. Maybe that's where we can kind of dive into next here. Um, so this game, the whole cloud before the game was, is Pascal Siakam going to play? He did, and credit to him for gutting it out, man, because like mm-hmm. he clearly is lacking mobility to a pretty significant degree, and it's really troubling when you think about the long-term fortunes of the Raptors, should they move on from this round, even looking head to Game 5, because of how important he's been. Um, and Nick Nurse was forced to try some different things in order to work around Siakam's limited mobility. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former SportsCenter anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Um, of all the things that Nurse did in this game, what was the thing that stood out to you most as the thing you liked the most? Um like the most I, okay this is kind of weird yeah. i think you're gonna be on the same page with me um as this it wasn't anything to do with the rotations it was actually his timeouts in this game yeah i thought he was on point like every single time the sixers started to get momentum even the four point swing just to start that the second half like mm-hmm. he was on it immediately he called timeout um and regrouped and every single time the rappers came back in and uh, gave the effort that you wanted to see from them. So I actually thought that was the most impressive thing. For some reason, I don't know why, but it's just this game, he's... He, I mean, we've, we've gotten used to him, I guess, being a little slow uh, calling timeouts. He tends to call them a little too late a lot of the time. Yeah. But man, he was on it today. Yeah, he really, I thought, did a good job of keeping the Sixers crowd at least a little chill because of... I think Embiid had a huge dunk in the first quarter that he called a timeout after, and then... I think he got in the second, uh, like Harris might have had a dunk or Simmons, and then he called one immediately after again. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I like that. And then even Kawhi was trapped in the corner 
with like 3.6 on the clock in the fourth quarter at one point, and he called one there too. Maybe a bit of a panicky move, but I thought it was smart considering there was just nothing that was going to be bled out of that possession. And, you know, in the worst case, it was going to be a turnover and a transition opportunity the other way. I don't and I don't know if they ended up getting something in those 3.6 seconds. I don't think they did, but um, it was... Uh, I, I thought that was... Yeah, I thought that was really smart from Nurse just to be liberal with his timeouts, not worry too much about saving them or anything. Um, I thought that was really good. I I guess the other thing, too, is he changed his bench rotation quite a bit in this game, and I sure did not hate what happened. I mean, again, it's a little troubling going forward if you can only have Norm Powell play four minutes and Fred Van Vliet play seven and Patrick McCaw play five. Um, that's not ideal, but, you know, he yeah. this was a really, really important, almost must-win game, so I don't mind Nurse riding his guys as hard as he could uh, Leonard, Lowry, Green, all 40-plus minutes. Gasol played 39, and Siakam even played 29. And then it was Serge Ibaka who came in. And I think Serge deserves his own little segment on the podcast today because, oh, my God. He was, you know, his usual shaky self sometimes. He missed a couple threes just comically wide. But um, for the most part, I thought Serge was really effective. He had three blocks in this game, the only blocks the Raptors had in this game. Uh, and they were enormous, too. Like, momentum-shifting sort of, like key moment high leverage situation blocks he finished with 12 and 9 the rebounding in this game was a strength of the Raptors I thought um especially after they've kind of been killed a little bit and I guess the offensive rebounding was a problem in like the third quarter or fourth quarter when they had the big lineup out there um for a little bit but they got through it and I thought Serge did a really good job on the defensive glass kind of clearing things out he had a big one late if I recall and yeah I, I like big credit to Serge what do you think what did you think of his performance today yeah, I thought he was okay. I mean, some of it was was tough, right? Because just Tobias Harris is a tough matchup for him. Yeah, he's just too, he's just too quick, and yeah, he has to close out on him all the time, and it, that's a little tough. And then you get into the switching, and then the rotations um, are behind. But I thought for the most part he did pretty well. Like you're saying, like he he was out there playing his heart out, and uh, on for weak side blocks, hit that one chase down block that was really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You know, had some big rebounds. I did think he was pretty good, um, but he was just ha- he had a tough match. It's kind of brutal when you think about how him being out there to guard Harris or whoever um, was still better than whatever alternate you know decision you Nurse could have made. Like he was kind of stuck with that, even though it wasn't the best decision necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like they survived it and they made it through, so it ended up working out just fine. But. <laughs> I mean, he had no alternative to go to. So I thought Serge did a pretty good job for what he was asked to do because it was definitely something that, you know, it was going to be a bit of a struggle. Yeah, no, I, I don't think he was, like, flawless by any means, but I thought with, given yeah, the situation yeah. and given how little he's given so far in the series, I was kind of impressed yeah. that he was able to chip in 12 points and uh, did a good job, I thought, sealing out and taking advantage of maybe a favorable matchup on offense with the size he has over... Harris, like, you know, carving him out in the post and, you know, getting that deep position and having that little turnaround floater, which seems pretty much cash for him at this point. Um, so credit to him because those minutes were necessary, man. Uh, yeah, they were. I was kind of expecting going into this one that we'd see them kind of skew smaller. I thought Norm was going to play a ton in this game with Siakam being limited. Like, I guess it's different because Siakam played 29 minutes and that kind of changes how I thought the rotation was going to look with my assumption being that he wasn't going to play, you know, 24 hours ago, but... Um, with Siakam still being limited, I thought maybe we'd see Norm kind of slide in at the two. You slide Kawhi down to the four um, and hope he can hang with Harris, and then you slide Green to the three and just have Norm be in there for a little extra off-the-bounce juice. 
And, uh, you know, that didn't end up coming to pass. I thought Norm in his four minutes was effective. He had a nice little assist that the one assist was enough to make me think, hey, maybe he should be the backup point guard instead of Fred. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. What a tough series for Van I don't know what the hell's happened, man. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, It's past the point of just being like, well, he's outsized. Because even the stuff that he's really good at, which is catch and shoot jumpers and playing off the ball, He'll get wide open jumpers. He's had a fair amount this series, and he's not even hitting those anymore. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he just seems very, very scared whenever he has the ball in his hands. That's what yeah. it kind of feels like for me. Um, by the way, to your note about Harris and being a tough guard for Ibaka, Harris was okay. Are you looking at the box score? No. Okay. I'm through my okay. Guess what Tobias Harris like? Guess what his line was tonight? A. Like Probably points, points and shooting. Just go points and shooting. Points and shooting. I'll say he had like twelve points on. Uh, I don't know, like forty-three percent shooting. Uh no. Uh I see. I thought he was like killing the Raptors with like timely threes all the time. He had sixteen yeah. points, but he was seven of twenty-three and two of thirteen from deep. Oh my god! He yeah. took twenty-three shots. Yeah, it's stunning. Like <laughs> it's. <laughs> didn't feel like he took 23 shots. Yeah, if he's going to be the guy leading the team in shots, I think I'm okay with that. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, so... Well, and, and B didn't really have much of a game tonight. You could tell he was not feeling very well, too. So. Yeah, yeah. The, the Embiid thing, you know, if he's not going to be good, this very much felt like game two. It just kind of swung the right way for the Raptors, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, neither team really had it all that much on offense. The defense was very strong. Embiid was not very good which gives the Raptors a little bit more margin of error to work with. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be rough for the Sixers if Embiid's not right for Game 5. Same with Siakam, though, obviously. But I think Embiid's a little bit more central to Philly's success than Siakam is for the Raptors. Another thing for Nurse that I thought was good was the the way he managed the fourth quarter minutes-wise. Obviously, everyone was freaking the hell out when there was no Kawhi coming out of the break. And they went like, the massive lineup with uh, Kyle, Danny Green, Siakam, Ibaka, Gasol. And, I mean, credit, it worked, I guess. <laughs> it was a little yeah. dicey at the start of the fourth there, I thought. But they, and they, for some reason, couldn't grab a defensive rebound for, like, a stretch of two or three minutes there. But um, not bringing in Van Vliet, I thought, was wise. <laughs> and I guess Van yeah. Vliet played the end of the third quarter, but that was it. Uh, not bringing in McCarr or Powell, I thought, was wise as well. You just kind of keep your best guys on the court. And I thought... The, the like getting Leonard back in at ten minutes exactly. There was no screwing around. There he wasn't waiting for a timeout to try to buy him some extra minutes. It was just get in there, dude. And buddy, <laughs> he he, uh, he did the thing. He I, my did it. my brain is like mush right now. Yeah, I have just no way, like no idea what to even say. <laughs> it's, you know, he just <sighs> yeah, superstar man. I mean, you know what's funny is like. I wonder what the story would have been in some ways if the Raptors hadn't won this game. Like, I kept thinking about James Ennis in this game Hmm. um, and his impact because for a little bit there, it was starting to become, look like it was going to become a James Ennis game. Yeah. Where it was like, okay, we're going to live with this guy uh, taking the big shots and he started making them. And I was, you know, you start to get that feeling like, okay, here it is. Here's the random guy, the random role player at home who's going to go off. Yeah. And I thought I was going to (laughs) be, there's a chance that that became the story, but. Nope, thankfully 
What were your thoughts on uh, Gasol and Lowry? They were kind of the much maligned dudes coming in for their lack of aggression. Um, we saw some of that, I think, persist in this game, but also I thought they were both, by and large, very, very good. Yeah, I thought Kyle playing his butt off. Yeah, he was he was doing everything. Like, in, and he wasn't passive in any at any point. I didn't think he was. When he got the ball, if he had an open shot, he was taking it. He was driving when he had the chance. He was making smart passes. Running around defense in a pest, doing all that thing. Like I think this was a KLO game. Um, this is this is the kind of thing they need from him. This was him at his best. He really was just all in, and it was awesome to see because you know there's there are people who have accused Lowry of uh, you know folding before in games like this, and he absolutely didn't. He showed up 100% in this game. Uh, so I think he was great, A plus uh, for him for me anyway. And then Gasol, yeah, I think he had an okay game. I mean. He, he, he shot the ball more, for sure, than he mm-hmm. was, which is great. Um, I still thought he was a little too passive sometimes. I thought there was a couple of instances. There was one in particular where he was at the top of the arc, and there was nobody around him. And he looked around like three times to yeah. see if he could make a pass. And every other Raptor was looking at him like, shoot it. Shoot, shoot it, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he did, but he missed it because he, he'd taken so long. He was out of rhythm. So mm-hmm. there's still some things like that where, like, you know, and then he had – Harris in the post a couple times, and he'd pass out of that to like Lowry, who's really deep, and Lowry just has to huck up a shot. Yeah, uh, there, there are things like that where you still would love to see Gasol maybe be a little more aggressive. But I get it that that's his mentality as a player to you know is to be a pass first player, especially with this team, this roster, um, and he knows what the kind of weapons that he's got around him. But um, but you know he was more aggressive than he was before, so definitely improvement. So they, they can't you can't hate on it too much. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the... I, well, sorry, I, I don't know what I'm saying. Gasol, I thought, was... Uh, I don't know. I was pretty impressed with Gasol in this game, I thought. I thought I liked how they got him going a little bit in the pick and pop and the pick and roll where he had those little floaters going. Um, those little touch shots I think he's pretty good at, and it's a nice little way to vary up the offense a little bit. Uh, I didn't love how much they involved him late as the screener, um, just because it was like inviting the two best defenders on the Sixers into the into the mix every single time. Um, and obviously, you know, it, it yielded the best shot in Raptors history. But uh, I could have stood to see Danny Green screen a little bit more, try to attack J.J. Redick a little bit. That, if there's like one big glaring flaw... It's that for the second straight game, they've just like not tried to go to Redick at all. I think Danny Green posted him up once late in the game, yeah. and he kind of threw up a, a nothing jumper that missed. And that feels like a bad idea, especially if Redick's going off on you. And my God, it felt like every shot he took today 
was a dagger. He was 4-7 from deep. He had 19 points. It was a perfect J.J. Redick game. Um, but, yeah, I, I uh, other than that, what is there to be upset about? They fucking won, man. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's such a relief. It's just... Yeah. <laughs> what were you feeling like heading into the game? What was your pregame, like, ritual? Were you, like, terrified? Um, no. I think for me, I wasn't terrified, but I wasn't, like, um, confident either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is kind of when you have Kawhi Leonard on your team and who has been shooting, like, like he's averaging, like, 65% shooting in this series or something. Like, something stupid. Like, yeah. insane. Um, and, uh, so, I don't know. My feelings... Are, are kind of they're kind of numb i guess which is like my defense <laughs> mechanism as a raptors fan uh i just kind of get to that point where you feel that looming dread coming from everyone else that seems to be in the fan base and um i, I just when it overwashes over me i just kind of go okay well you know it might happen there's a good chance it could happen this is you know this has happened to the raptors so many times uh and they just kind of go numb and you hope for the best and today the best happened sure did <laughs> sure did <laughs> Um, yeah, I thought before the game, like, I couldn't remember since game four going into that game against the Bucks back in the day, after that horrendous yeah. game three. Definitely, like, the most ulcery I felt going into a game. Um, I, like, I finished my chips in, like, the first two minutes of the game. I was so nervous. My nails are just, like, frayed and disgusting. Um... I think, well, my, you know, I think my girlfriend likes me less now because I'm just like screaming at the TV for three hours. But you know, I think I think game three was the first time I've seen you go full. It's mine, and it kind of that um, that did unnerve me a little bit. I will not lie. You cut out there a little bit. It was the first time you see me go what? Go um, the it's not fine. The oh. It's not fine mode. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, that was a little that was a little shocking to me. I'm not gonna. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was feeling okay after game two, and then when Pascal got hurt, or sorry, after game three, I was feeling okay, I guess. Like, in the in the 24 hours after the game, like, Wolf Hunt and I did a podcast, and I felt okay after that one. But then the Siakam news comes out, and you're like, oh, shit. And I, I did a little uh, quick podcast yesterday, and someone messaged me, or, like, tweeted, and was like, I've never, ever heard Sean that despondent. I'm terrified for game four now. <laughs> yeah, so. you, you, you- you need to buoy the fan base. That's really, you know, yeah. it's one of your roles. It is, my, it is my lot in life. And uh, <laughs> guess what? The Raptors are winning in fucking six now, baby. <laughs> that was, that's, hey, man, that was my uh, prediction all along, and I am thrilled that it is still. <laughs> I was like, probably going to pick the Raptors right to win. Last game. I was probably going to pick the Raps to win in seven had they lost this game. Yeah. <laughs> Based on how they played. Yeah. Like, I didn't think they played great, but they played grimy and gross enough that I kind of appreciated it. Um, mm-hmm. And I was probably going to be, uh, yeah, pr- pretty on board of like, yeah, 3-1, baby. It's the most dangerous lead in sports. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have to do that though. now, now though. That's great. Um, quickly, let's look ahead to game two. We'll, again, we'll probably do more of a uh, analysis podcast at some point on Monday if I have the time. But uh, if not, let's get some stuff out of the way here. Uh, what are you thinking for game five? Do you think like the same sub pattern should be there? Are, are you worried about Siakam? Are you feeling overjoyed about just the mere, the mere existence of Kawhi Leonard? And is it giving you comfort in all of your day-to-day uh, <laughs> thinking about the Raptors? Uh, what, what do you think in game five? 
Yeah, Kawhi's definitely giving me comfort. I'll be able to actually sleep tonight. tonight. He's so fucking good. He is. He's <laughs> so good. I don't think I've, like, Jeez. I still keep underestimating it, I think. He's incredible. I mean, dude, he's, he's like averaging like 38 and like 65% shooting in this series. It's some LeBron shit. It really is. It is. It's bananas. Uh, yeah, I, I know. I can't, I really can't get over it. And I feel like I've been jaded a little bit watching him all season and being like, yeah, Kawhi, this is what Kawhi does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, next game, I mean, obviously there's a little conservancy Ackham. You hope that him playing today didn't aggravate the injury too much and that it's not going to get worse. Yeah, apparently it didn't get worse between when it happened and today. So that was good news. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he's obviously something to keep a really close eye on. And then I don't know. Like, let's go to what you were talking about before. I mean, uh, could maybe put Reddick in some pick and rolls, please, and yeah. maybe get quite some easier shots instead of having him do a bunch of isolations where he's you know falling all over the floor and um, doing contested pull up jumpers all the time. Um, I think that would be great. Uh, even if you know, even Siakam, if he's if he's in there and if Nurse has him kind of initiating in a in a second unit role, mm-hmm. why not have you know whoever if it's Norm or green or whoever's at the time um out there that reddick is guarding why not have that person come up and be the on-ball screener and have siakam attack too because i trust siakam to be able to you know put up a floater or something or, or make a play uh, on the roll or whatever um so i think that's definitely a big thing in terms of the rotation i don't know i think i keep it relatively similar to today maybe play it a bit more by ear obviously depending on siakam's condition and um I think McCaw is worth another look if necessary. Mm-hmm. I thought his minutes were pretty good today. He's obviously not going to give you anything on offense, but the dude plays so hard on defense. He does. So, yeah, I think, you know, stick pretty much. I mean, this was definitely Nurse's best coach game of the series. So. Yeah, for sure. I think that's without question uh, accurate. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree. Abaka, I think, earned a little bit more run. Uh, I, honestly, I didn't hate the big lineups as, thought, as much as I thought I would. Like the Abaka Gasol front court. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, if you're going to have Tobias Harris again be your leading sh- leading shot attempt taker I-, I think maybe I'm okay with that um they got to figure out something with Jimmy Butler because he's going off and it's troublesome and they don't really seem to have settled on a plan for how they want to attack him when he's running the pick and roll um like sometimes they're blitzing sometimes they're playing straight up sometimes they're going under it's I, I don't know I- I'm not loving it but you know, if Butler is going to kill you and Simmons is going to hang out off the... Like, I, I feel like it's still the lesser of two evils for Butler to be the one with the ball in his hands as opposed to Simmons. Because Simmons, at least when he's off the ball, it allows you to help off of him a little bit and you can kind of just kind of have an extra defender to just sort of be a, a free safety a little bit. Whereas with Simmons, Simmons on the ball, there's always someone that you're scared of helping off of. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I uh, I guess if you want to have Butler run all the pick and rolls, I, I'll take it, I suppose. But they got to figure out, I think, a better coverage for that. I thought there were times where Kawhi did a really, really good job on him, though, and like really fought through screens to keep up with them. And um, I guess you just got to continue that. Ugh. Jimmy Butler, still terrifying. I hate it. Yeah, <laughs> he's been really good in terms of playmaking, like way better than I thought he'd be, honestly. Yeah, they're asking him to be a point essentially, and he's doing it. And- I like. I just didn't think he'd be this good at it. Yeah, and Simmons has been kind of ass in this series. After like he was pretty yeah. good in game one, I thought, but he's not really even doing a whole lot to make even his presence all that noticeable. He was no. A, there was a, yeah. There was one possession where he was coming up the floor and 
you know, he had green on him and he was looking to attack or do whatever. And then they got the switch immediately and Kawhi came right at him and he passed the ball. Like as soon as he realized that Kawhi was coming, like it's, it's still a thing. Like mm-hmm. Kawhi's still in his head. It's, I don't, it's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, all right. I think that's about where we can leave it. Uh, any parting shots before we wrap this thing up, Josh? Yeah, Sean, how many Raptors players can Kawhi bench press? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I posed this question earlier. I, I think the answer is... I don't think you can do Gasol. He's too big, too hefty. I think Lowry's a little dangerous because his ass throws off. It's like putting all the weight on one side of the dump of the barbell. Um, is that what you call it? I don't know. Bar The bar? I don't go to the gym. I don't know the terms. <laughs> But it's like if you put all of the weights on one side of the bar and the other side doesn't have any because of the ass. So um, I think that would be a little tricky to bench press. Uh, I think Siakam, Green, Powell, probably Ibaka because he's slender and the weight is sort of evenly distributed. Uh, Fred, McCaw, Lynn, Meeks, probably yes. Meeks a little questionable. He's a little doughy. We'll see. Um, I think Moreland's too big. And I... Malcolm Miller strikes me as someone who's just like very like thick, you know. He's just solid. <laughs> I think that might be tricky for him. Uh, yeah. Also, he's been injured a lot the last couple of years and has had a lot of time just sitting around eating bonbons. I'm sure. So he's got a little bit yeah. of go to him. Uh, whoa. Yeah. Slim duck. Oh, that's not even. Of course, he's like <laughs> bench pressing him through the ceiling. <laughs> just like losing his grip. Oh no! Sorry, Chris. Uh, yeah, and he can do Nurse for sure. Oh, God, yeah. I feel like Brett yeah, Brown probably. could bench press Nick Nurse. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, No more Nick Nurse slander. I feel good about Nick Nurse for the first time in a little while here, so. No yeah, complaints. he did a good job. Yeah. Uh, all right. I got to go jump on the Raptors Republic podcast with Samson, so I'm going to wrap. That's a good podcast. It is a good podcast. Uh, I'm going to wrap this thing up then. Uh, Josh, anything that you want to plug, promote, uh, share? What's going on? Uh, not too much at the moment. I'm randomly doing... I'll be doing whatever. They kind of need me over there. Um, yeah, and I'm on Twitter, Howvolution, and you can kind of follow me there and uh, engage with me in all the stressful things and non-stressful things and Raptors in six. I think you... Uh... You, you cut out a little bit when you said Raptors Republic, and that was not me bleeping out Raptors Republic, uh, just so people know. Um, <laughs> I see how it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, find Josh. Josh rules. Uh, I am at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe, rate, review to this podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I will also be on the Raptors Republic podcast with Samson, like I said, in a little bit. Um, and I'll be the Locked On NBA podcast for this week, too. And, uh, yeah, what else is going on? Uh, oh, some big news coming out this week. Just stay tuned. It'll be fun. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time on a hopefully less uh, voice-destroyed episode of Locked on Raptors. I can't speak. I don't know where the hell I'm going. This is going to be a Rough Raptors of Public podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, 
an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.